Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Psst. Heads up. Very exciting episode of White Wine Question Time coming your way with the one, the only, the most listened to man in the land, Ken Bruce. Before we pop our corks, can I ask you a huge favour? If you don't already follow us, would you hit the follow button and give us a follow? You see the three little dots at the top right hand of your screen? Just tap that, hit the follow show tab. It's the first on the drop down menu and ta-da! That means two things. One, you're never going to miss an episode. And two, it really does help us to bring you the very best guests there are out there. Speaking of which, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is quite simply the king of the airways, the monarch of radio, a 72-year-old quietly spoken man who is the most listened to radio host in Europe. And earlier this year, after 45 years at the BBC, 38 of which he was at the helm of mid-mornings on Radio 2, he made the front pages and news at 10 when he announced he was leaving the network to join Greatest Hits Radio in exactly the same slot and start the next chapter of his broadcasting career. And he's bringing with him to Greatest Hits Popmaster, his staggeringly successful music quiz that sees millions stop what they're doing every single day at 10.30am to play along, having cannily trademarked it when he invented it back in 1998. Born and raised in Glasgow, he trained as a chartered accountant before finding his way onto hospital radio to learn his craft, which eventually led to a long tenure at the BBC, where he originally started out as a station announcer. A master in his field, steady, upbeat, charming, self-deprecating and never a show-off. He's been a friend in our ears, in our offices and in our cars for over 40 years, talking to us for two and a half hours every day and yet 
Relatively little is known about him, which I'm guessing is exactly how he likes it. When he's not on air, he lives in Oxford with his third wife, Kerith, who he's been married to for 23 years now and is a father of six children, one of whom, Murray, just made a truly remarkable film with Chris Packham for the BBC about life as a hugely bright and pre-verbal autistic young man. Ken Bruce, what a treat. Welcome to the show. Well, that's the best introduction I've ever had. And I couldn't have written it better myself, even though I tried. But yeah, (laughs) thank you very much. That's lovely, Kate. All true, I hope? Uh, Yeah, I couldn't see anything wrong with that whatsoever, which is, again, very unusual. Normally there's a a few details that you think, no, that didn't happen. But no, you had it. I tell you what, I had to dig long and hard for research on you, Ken, because you are a man that says a lot, and yet so little is said about you. Well, you know, that's the way it, it suits me. I don't like to be in the full glare of the spotlight. I quite like being just uh, a little off to the side and ha- letting somebody else take all the glory. And I th- I'm just quite happy going along on the sidelines and having of... a few people say, "Oh, yeah, you do all right," and leave it at that. Like, like the the prettiest bridesmaids. Yeah. Yeah, it's not anything I've ever been compared with before, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Nice of you. Again, lovely of you to say so. <laughs> now, you say that you kind of like the fact that the attention and the spotlight never settles on you for too long, but that's not been the case of late. How has life been since your uh, surprise announcement about... Because we're talking here today in the studios of Greatest Hits Radio where I, I've, I've been in residence for a year and we're about to become colleagues. This was big news in the broadcast world. I just think it's because it was... Slightly unexpected, because when you've been doing the same thing for a long time, people just assume you're going to carry on doing it forever and ever and ever. So uh, I, I quite enjoyed the slight disruption that I, I caused. But uh, I, I'm not somebody that, you know, when it all came out, I just avoided looking at newspapers did and you? watching television that whole day because I thought, I, don't, I, I just don't want to be part of this. I, did, I gave a little, you know, speech to the news crew outside the BBC and, and walked away. And I thought, that's all, that's all I'm going to do. And I said, I won't be giving any other interviews because the, the news is there. It, it, you don't need anything else. So it's only now that I'm doing a little bit of uh, interviewing to say, you know, here I am and this is what I'm going to be doing from now on. I mean, were you prepared for the response? I know you said you didn't look that day, but you'd have to be um, literally living under, under a rock to not know that the response was huge. Uh, yeah, oh, obviously I was aware, but I didn't read anything in detail. I was just, you know, would pick up a paper and see my name and think, right, OK, I don't need to read that. Uh, but I did read the odd bit. I mean, I won't pretend that I didn't. Uh, and it, it was quite strange. It was like dying. Uh, it was like I was reading my obituaries without having to go to the trouble of dying. So um, it was really, it was quite, and I, you know, a lot of it was very, very positive and nice. And so that, that's that's sweet because you don't you don't always know if you're having an effect or an influence. Uh, and just to have it confirmed, I mean, a lot of people go to their graves uh, never knowing how much people like them. So I've, I've been very lucky in that I've had you know, a nice little idea, snapshot. Of, uh, of like what that's right. Like being at your own wake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> give me a good idea. I might organise it now. Yeah, you know, you so that I don't want these other people getting drunk and enjoying themselves. I'm going to be there too. Eat your own sandwiches. Yeah, you paid yeah. for them. <laughs> um, tell me, how, it, how did it feel um, delivering your news to your listeners? Because you have been a friend to so many for, so, I mean, not just years, decades. You know, that's some going, Ken. Well, it, it was a, a, an awkward moment. but uh, So I, I drafted out a little. Uh, piece to say and I talked around it rather than read it out because you know it's a natural thing to do um, and I thought that yeah people might um, not quite appreciate this might not like it but of course it wasn't me saying goodbye forever it was me saying goodbye from here 
but I'm going to be popping up somewhere else. So if you want to, please carry on listening on Greatest Hits Radio, which, uh, you know, I'll be doing substantially the same thing uh, with, as you say, Popmaster at 10.30. So um, I Uh, hope people will move. More than substantially the same thing, exactly the same thing. So this isn't about you winding down to retirement. You're doing exactly the same amount of work, exactly the same hours. So so I wondered why. Uh, Because uh, the danger of staying at Radio 2 was that I would just go into a kind of complacency and say, right, it's great, you know, I've got this amount of audience, I'm doing this, everything's working beautifully, and I would just spend the next few years sort of gradually, you know, declining into something that, you know, was de- becoming too easy. And so I like to give myself a little kick every so often and say, go on, try this and make yourself work a bit harder. Uh, and so this is what I'm doing. I just thought, go and try working for somebody else and uh, see if what you can do there. That's a- another part of the challenge is that can I go to this station and be successful at it and bring some listeners perhaps. Uh, that's a challenge. And so, um, so I like to set myself a little challenge every so often. Have you seen these streaming stats since your announcement was made? I was shown them the other day, which is it's, it's nice. It's it's comforting. Ken, stop being so self-deprecating. Well, this is ridiculous, right? You haven't even started at the network yet, and already the streaming figures are up by 25%. That's before you've even opened the mic and said hello. You have the most incredible powers of persuasion when it literally comes to people moving their dial. Well, it actually also shows you that the, the product... The station itself is what people want to listen to. They've yeah. t- they've taken taken it up. Uh, and yeah, they've, they've not they've they not know, dropped off. They've stayed. Yeah, yeah. They, they they maybe didn't know it was here that much until now. So I've put that you know out there, and people have picked it up, and they're obviously liking what they hear. So they're staying with it. They're staying the streaming uh, of the station, and of course uh, the premium output now when you can listen to the station with um, no ads. No ads is uh, you know a big thing for ra- BBC listeners who have been used to no ads. <sighs> Well, I think that's always been, um, for, for listeners, the, the blocker between coming over to commercial radio is, I don't want to listen to all those ads. Mm. Well, you don't have to now. Yeah. For a relatively low cost, you get Ken Bruce just as you've always had him. Yeah, price of a coffee a week. You've got it. It's all there. A month, I think. Sorry, did I say a week? I mean a month. Yeah. Price of a coffee. Depends coffee where you live, Ken. Well, coffee, I Prices vary. Ted cheap. Um, <laughs> Here in Soho, <laughs> let me tell you, you'll be lucky to get change out of four quid. I paid £3.70 <laughs> for a, a medium coffee in a station cafe today on the way in. That's ridiculous. Isn't it? It wasn't even that good. No. Mind you, we've got it good here. I was in New York a few months ago. $6 for a drip. Do you know what a drip is? No. Just the worst coffee you can find. What? That's the cheapest, right? Suddenly if I'm paying $6, I'd want a, a medical drip set up <laughs> with coffee all day. And a nurse. Out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've spent, this is, is this your first day in the studios today? It is actually my first day in one golden square. Um, not ever, but uh, c- certainly in the last several years. So you, you're literally finishing your show at Radio 2 on the Friday and starting here on the Monday, and mm. I'm going to be through the glass. It's not going to happen like that because no? um, I'm off on gardening leave at the end of next week from <gasps> Radio 2. Are you really? I, um, so yeah. you've got one week left, Ken? Yes. I've been sent sent home in disgrace <laughs> to think at the about end of what next you've week. done. Yes. You've let the school down. You've let, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, you all right uh, with that? Yeah, yeah I was actually... Uh, not that happy about it because, uh, you know, I want to fulfil the contract that I have mm. uh, and I have, you know, I think 17 days uh, left to do working days and I thought, well, I'd rather do that. I, you, I think you can trust me not to say the wrong thing or do anything inappropriate. So why, but it's their, t- it's their train set, it's their toy, uh, they can do what they like. And I see today that uh, we know who's going to be 
filling your studio shoes. Well, and Kay. It, well, actually, yeah, but not until May. So it'll be Gary Davis for um, yeah. a few weeks, a couple of months until May. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, yeah, everything has to change evolve. and move on. And a station must evolve. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Especially this one here, Greatest Hits. It's going to be lovely having you in the building. So I've devised three, what I hope are thought-provoking questions right. for you. I know that it's really hard when you're normally the person that asks the question <laughs> to be on the receiving end of them. But let's give it a go, Ken. Yeah, I'll give it a go, whether you like what I do. <laughs> Neither here nor there. But I'll do what I can, best okay. I can. Let's go. Uh, we're talking off the back of one of your biggest decisions in life, the decision to move from Radio 2 to Greatest Hits after well, your, pretty much your entire broadcasting career has been spent uh, working for the BBC. But I wondered, what were the other big decisions that you've made across the course of your life uh, that have been just as important and where have they taken you? Right. Well, big decisions, you know, they tend to be uh, around about your own personal life. They tend to be about relationships mm. or about homes or mm. where you live. So I, I suppose they must be the biggest decisions I, I've made. And uh, way back, um, obviously I've been married three times now, so you know, obviously there have been some decisions made. There are some right ones and some wrong ones. So um, I should point out that your most recent wife, and as you refer to her as your final <laughs> wife, that's a 23-year relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not... You oh, know, we're absolutely You're not a cad, that. Ken. No, I, I think... Uh, you know, if, if, <laughs> It looks bad on paper. You know. <laughs> Didn't one of your kids once who Googled you say, why would you just get married so many times? <laughs> yes, exactly. I said, well, the trouble is, I just got married to all of them. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it looks bad on paper. Um, I've married three times and uh, got six children by those three different women. Uh, but it's not as exciting as it sounds. It sounds as if I've had the life of a playboy. And in fact, um, as somebody once said, I was a serial bridegroom. Um, <laughs> I got the I, bridesmaid yeah. bit kind of wrong, <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't I? <laughs> but I just, you know, I got married and then after... You were so young, nine, nine years each time, so in the first two marriages. <gasps> so what, there were no flashes in the pan. It was all, There were all proper relationships and, uh, you know, with children in each one. So it's... Uh, and, you know, as time has gone by, we're all fine. We're all, everybody's happy. And the kids, certainly, um, are all in of great Of which you form. have six. I have six of them, from 43 down to... Thir- 43 down to 15. Wow. Yeah. I um, mean, your years of school runs are long, my friend. Oh, I, I've been on the school run since 1982, <laughs> I think. You know, something like that. So... Uh, <laughs> Parents' evenings forever. Yeah. My first school drop-off was when I was working at BBC Scotland. Wow. Uh, and I'm still doing them uh, now, <laughs> after all these years at Radio 2. And you've just turned 72. I have, actually, Happy yes. birthday. Well, it, yeah, I'm, I'm not celebrating birthdays as much as I did at one time, but it's <laughs> very nice. I was talking to somebody the other day, and it's always great when somebody says, they sort of, oh, you don't look it. But they never actually say what you do look like. Yeah. And it could be, could be 85. 85. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they mean that. <laughs> uh, when you go back to that, that time of your first marriage, it was a really interesting time in your life, Ken, because you were a very young man. You had a proper job. You, you had a desire to be uh, working in broadcast, but it had been pretty much turned down by everybody that you'd applied to. Um, was one of your decisions, your great decisions, do you think, the opportunity to put your hands up and volunteer for hospital radio? Because that, that started everything. That was a good one. Uh, in fact, what I did at that time was I was, I was desperate to work in radio. Uh, when I first got the bug, uh, there was only the BBC. 
in radio times yeah. in this country. One and trick pony, yeah. the whole business, yeah. Uh, the only other option was British Forces Broadcasting Service, BFBS, uh, for which you had to go to Gibraltar or mm. Malta or somewhere like that. Uh, and I applied to them and got turned down, but in the nicest way. Uh, I was, what, 18 or 19 at the time, so I probably wasn't anywhere near ready. But the guy who interviewed me um, listened to me and then came back and said, look, don't give up the idea. And that was enough. That was enough to keep me thinking, okay, he didn't say go away and never darken our doorsteps or, or, or have you thought of sweeping the streets. He said, uh, don't give up on the idea. Uh, and so I, th- I took that away and I kept sort of thinking, what will I do? I couldn't go back there. But I did get in touch with the BBC, uh, with one of the presenters there, who said, go to Hospital Radio Glasgow and see if you can find something to do there. So I went down there and they put me on air almost immediately, which I was amazed about. And uh, I was on air ever since after that for several months and years, actually, uh, on live radio. Uh, It was a great, great training ground because I made every mistake known to man and woman on uh, hospital radio. Mm. And therefore, when I made them again, because I didn't stop making them, when I made them again, I knew how to deal. Yeah. So uh, I, we but, all need a nursery slope, don't we? Exactly. Uh, don't treat it as you know a, a job opportunity. Treat it as a good thing, fun thing to do. Yeah. And who knows, a job opportunity may come from. The end of but it. it gives you something to take into um, stations and networks and show your chops as a broadcaster. Hmm. You've also got a pretty captive audience, as to be said. <laughs> but the thing that it taught me was that you know you don't play the music you want to play. You play the music your audience mm. wants to hear. Uh, and which you which you became very adept at over the years. Well, I, th- at Radio I think 2. so, yeah. yeah. But um, it, it's it's a golden rule which is forgotten by an awful lot of people. It's not about what you want; it's no. about what your audience wants. And you know, if I was we had a lot of teenagers and twenties playing, trying to play the latest top twenty to a geriatric hospital. <laughs> you think, well, they don't want to hear that. They want Elvis singing "Old Ship," or they want. Uh, Ethna Campbell singing the old rugged cross. Uh, you know, uh, you oh, my nan loved the old rugged cross. You wouldn't choose these, but it's what your audience wants, yeah. so you play them. Yeah, read the room. Yeah, read the room. Um, another important decision: 1998 trademarking Popmaster. Yeah, that was accidental almost. Um, but in hindsight, a very key decision. It was. It was uh, yeah, because I have no real business brain. I, you know, I say that, but I watch The Apprentice every week and think at least I've got a better business brain than they have. But do you uh, really think they're there to, to to win the win the chance to open a business with Sir Alan, or do they want a clothing campaign with Boohoo? I think that's more the case yeah. these days, certainly. Or they're auditioning for the next series of Love Island. That's that, you know, yeah. Except they have, they have to keep their clothes on for The Apprentice. <laughs> but yeah, gives them somewhere to go. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't really think in business terms, but I did think it was a, a good thing. Popmaster was a great thing, uh, and I actually went to the BBC, um, a senior person there, and said, I, "I think it'd be a good idea to trademark this. Do you want to, you know, be, you know, part of this?" And they said, "No, no, 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 no. Not interested in that. Not interested in that." Uh, so I said, "Fine." So I went off and trademarked it. Phil Swirl and I. Uh, Phil, we, Phil writes the questions. Phil writes the questions. He's in charge of the questions. Uh, and he and I, he and I devised it and we trademarked it. And it's, you know, in recent years we've done uh, proper commercial deals with the BBC for using Popmaster and being able to use it elsewhere. So it's all been, you know, in, in contract terms. And now we're able easily to lift it and take the whole thing. Lock, stock and barrel over to Greatest Hits Radio. It comes with you. Yeah. As, as, as yeah. Alongside all of the 
board games, the books, the mugs, the T-shirts. Yeah, as I say, Phil and I are not business people, but we have somebody who works with us who is, is a business person yeah. and makes sure that these things are all right and makes sure the contracts are watertight. That's wonderful, Ken. And, and every day it trends on Twitter. Every day people, you know, you've created a moment by which people measure their day. Yeah. Well, I hope that they will continue to Damn find right. it as a signpost of their day, 10.30 on Greatest Hits Radio. I am furious if I don't know the answers. Well, I get absolutely... I mean, literally will fall out with myself over it. I'll speak to me the day before. And I'll, Thanks, Ken. I'll slip you the answers. Thank you very much. Um, your final big decision is the most recent one, the day you walked into the, I'm guessing, controller's office at Radio 2 and said... Ever so sorry, but it's time for me to go. Yeah. Was was that a big moment for you? Uh, it was, that, that moment wasn't. Uh, the, the day I signed the contract, which was a little time before, that, mm. was, that was a moment I thought, right, this is happening now. But the day I went in was really just the kind of tying up of the loose ends. And, uh, you know, it was relatively easy for me. Uh, it was more of a problem for the person I was delivering it to. Da, it was more yeah. of a shock. But for me, it was just the culmination of several weeks, months of uh, discussions and uh, signing contracts. Was it a simple case of somebody came and tapped you on the shoulder and said, by the way, we think you're fabulous, do you fancy having a chat? Well, you know, without sounding big-headed, I, I, the, the phone has occasionally gone to uh, my agent, you know, and said, you know, if uh, you know, if he's ever interested, you know, then we could have a chat. And in previous years, I haven't been interested because I've thought, no, no, I've got work still to do here. But... The, the last time, um, you know, there's a sort of email contact from somebody I knew and uh, I thought, yeah, let's have the chat. Let's have a talk and see what might happen. And then it did. It happened. Because I'd reached a point where I thought, I've done everything I can here uh, and the, if it goes on for another few years, it will just be a kind of steady going slightly downhill and I'll be turning the handle a bit and I don't want to get to that stage. No. How did it feel the day that you signed that contract? Because that makes it real, right? It's rather it's not just a discussion, it's a decision then. Yeah, yeah, it is it's a made decision. But I'm not somebody who spends a lot of time, you know, worrying about things or, you know, going oh, yes, no, yes, no. When you feel something's right, and I did all the way through feel this is right. Uh, and it was really just a case of, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, uh, and getting the popmaster thing sorted out. And after that it was uh, plain sailing, you know, and uh, Working with people that you know, appreciate you and, and yeah. enjoy what you do makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah. That's how I ended up here. Yeah, yeah. I Being... got taken out for a coffee where I was like, I better... It was with somebody that I knew from working very briefly together in the 90s and was just like, listen, I just haven't got the capacity to take anything new on. And by the time I left that meeting, I was like, OK, Saturday night <laughs> then, yeah. Done. And, and I've loved it, Ken. Yeah. And, and it has... Um, yeah, it's it's more than wet. It's reawakened my appetite for radio, well, which is wonderful because I love the music that we play here. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's what has been instrumental in my, if you pardon the pun, instrumental in my decision to to come here because I think I want I'm be over the moon to play great quality tracks from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Uh, I'll just you know I'll have fun all day. Yeah, uh, and being on the radio is about having fun uh, and also making sure your listeners have fun, not just uh, having a great time yourself. But if you don't feel better at the end of a programme than you felt at the beginning of it, then you shouldn't be doing it. And I always come off here thinking, oh, hey, that was good, enjoyed that, Still rubbing you. the hands. And Still then, get that now. Absolutely, every single day. I mean, it's not. I'm not sort of buzzing, because ah, you can tell I'm not the sort of ah, buzzy kind of person. <laughs> no. But um, I, do, I feel better. And the adrenaline flow, there is an adrenaline, even though, you know, it's... 
fairly static job, you know, you're just pressing a button here and there. You're really not, Ken. But you're, you're not. You're, you're, you're using your mind, you're, you're keeping going and making sure you're working on your, your nerves a bit and working on adrenaline, and it's a great feeling. I love it. Uh, well, April the 3rd, bring it on. I will be looking through the glass, learning, listening, right. I'll getting have, excited. I'll have the glass painted black. <laughs> Don't stare at me, get rid of her. <laughs> She's looking at me again. She's looking. <laughs> you ready for your next question? Yeah, yeah, let's have another go. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As a broadcaster, conversation is your currency and you feed the ears of millions of listeners every day. And yet, in the film that you and Kerith, your wife, and your son Murray have just made with Chris Packham for the BBC, uh, Inside Our Autistic Minds, we get to see you play the role of the listener as Chris helps Murray to unlock what feels like his voice for the very first time. I mean, it was profoundly moving yeah. and educating. Yeah. And I just wondered if you could talk me through what it was to be able to listen to, to Murray for the first time, but also share maybe some of the other conversations that you've been a party to across the years that have been equally as profound. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long process. Uh, Murray was diagnosed as autistic before his third birthday, mm. so it's always been there. And, uh, you know, it was about 18 months when he first started showing signs of not socialising at the nursery he was at. Um, and it took a you know several months. Uh, it was almost a relief when he was diagnosed because we knew that I mean something was not right. We knew by that time, but so we were told it was a firm diagnosis. Uh, the consultant who saw us at the time said, you know, it, it may not make a difference to his life. It may uh, he may develop you know completely and he may speak, uh, but as things have turned out. Uh, that hasn't happened. He has developed and he's become an intelligent uh, young So intelligent. Man. But he, he is autistic and so he has certain things he has to do. Um, he has a certain amount of uh, obsessive compulsive. He has to keep things in 
a right order. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, he's also quite messy and uh, likes a bit of disruption. Water, he plays with water a lot. Uh, You've had a lot of flooded homes, haven't you? We have. You? He finds comfort in water, though, yeah, Ken, absolutely. doesn't he? So he, he seeks it out. He, he seeks it out, he runs taps and watches the water, and we've had you know massive floods in the house. Um, you you ceilings, have to tie the taps off, is that right? Well, um, we have to lock the bathrooms. Um, <laughs> we've had to lock, you know, we've had to put bolts, uh, security <laughs> bolts in the bathrooms. Uh, we've uh, got one bathroom that is not bolted, which he's able to go into because he really can't make much of a mess of that. The wet room. Well, we did. We made a wet, wet room for him, which uh, he didn't like. So <laughs> oh, you're it was, joking. It was a massive wet room right at the top, like, of, top of the house and he, he hardly used it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but that actually, his use of that in the early days caused a ceiling collapse in our bedroom, which was below that. No. Uh, so it's not been without incident, shall we no. say. But I mean, he was a live wire as well, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah, talk yeah. about him like he used to move around the house like Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Got, you know, if he, at, at the age of, say, about seven or eight, he'd have been right around this room but not touching the floor. Yeah. He'd been on the desk, on the bin, uh, right over on the seats uh, and on people's backs pretty much. So he, um, yeah, he, uh, and when he was outside, he was, uh, you know, jumping on things that were, you know, low walls, the top of gates, things like that. And he actually broke his arm once, um, just falling off something. And he was, again, about nine or ten or something like that. Uh, and he couldn't tell us at that time that he had broken something. Of course. Uh, and he also has difficulty, uh, he has uh, apraxia, which means that he can't always uh, get the right things to move at the right time with his speech. Uh, and he also has difficulty with knowing what part of his body you know, sometimes, for example, if you touch him on his neck um, and you ask him, what am I touching? He might not be able to tell you it's his neck. He could put arm or something like that if he's, he's typing it. Uh, so he, he was looking pale and sore, but he was holding his hands over his stomach, his arms so over his stomach. So we thought he'd eaten something. So we were going around the garden looking, <laughs> looking you know, the hedges, saying, well, any of these berries, poisonous, and that. Uh, but eventually we... Um, so worked out it wasn't that and um, we took him to A&E and the doctor there was brilliant actually and he worked out that actually he says I think it's his arm can we take an x-ray and we took an x-ray and he'd broken his humerus so uh, then, but again they couldn't See, do anything these things you don't even begin no. to think about and about how, how does he articulate himself? I mean, it, through the, with the help of Chris Packham and wonderful Harrison, the young actor who was, is also a young autistic man, yeah. lending his voice, voicing Murray's thoughts and his writing and bringing it to life in this film. You, you got to understand what it is for him to see the world as he does. Yes, yeah. I mean, he has written stuff for many years, uh, but to hear it spoken... And previously, he has a, an app on his iPad which will speak the words but it's very broken and it's dear old John Briggs, his voice who, uh, you know, he's every, everywhere with these sort of things but it's rather still Ted speech, that sort of thing and it doesn't yes. sound flowing. Whereas Harrison read his stuff out as an actor as a person would uh, and that made all the difference and made it sound really like his voice and Murray chose Harrison's voice mm. deliberately we played him all the voices and, you know, with numbers to choose. So that was number one, number two, number three, number four. Yeah. Which of those do you want? And he right away went to number two, which was Harrison. Uh, Harrison's a lovely guy and a really uh, You've become Twitter friends, haven't you? I've seen. Yes, yeah. yeah. He's a very accomplished uh, broadcaster and uh, voice actor. So, yeah, he's, he's you know, a lovely guy. So, that you know, that was a, a, a great moment. And Chris Packham and his team, the whole team, were fabulous. Amazing. Really fabulous. I would really implore people to... Um, 
regardless of whether or not you you live with somebody who struggles with autism or just just go and educate yourself watch because you can't come away from watching that program without being massively informed but profoundly moved it was it's really beautiful and it's not just Murray's story it's no. lots and lots of young people uh certainly in the first few episodes yeah we, 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 the first telling two, their stories you've got four very different people uh, and it does prove that uh, as Chris has said if you meet one autistic person you've met one autistic person. That's it. They're all <laughs> different. Everybody is absolutely different. And, you know, you do get one or two people in the autistic community who say, well, that, this, this you know, doesn't help me. And you think, well, look, I'm really sorry, but we're only telling our own story. We're not saying this will work for everybody or indeed anybody else, but it is the way that it works for him. And the same for all the others in that series. Uh, and it's just to make people a little more understanding because a lot of people seeing Murray would just think, you know, well, he's not in the same world as we are because he looks into the distance and he can get up and walk off without uh, you know, any notice. voluntary movements. A lot yeah. of it, yeah. yeah. And so he's, uh, it's, it, it's tough for people to understand that. But uh, we, we are obviously used to it and we know what his moods are when he wants to be with us and when he doesn't want to be, mm. when he wants to talk and when he doesn't want to talk. But uh, for other people, it's difficult to read the signs because we're not used to them and everybody else's signs are completely different. We are, you're so right to, to highlight the fact that people are dismissive, that, that a young man like Murray would be underestimated wildly. And when you hear his thoughts and he says um, in this letter, really listen to me and take note as I'm speaking from my heart, I plead with you to please understand and open your minds. I would wonder if this day would ever come. I was frustrated and pining for acknowledgement, but I had thoughts and opinions and worries, but no one could hear me. That yeah. frustration. Yeah, yeah, and it's still still very much there, even though this has happened. Mm. Uh, the sheer effort of writing for him yeah. is slow. It's one. It's a, sort of a, a letter, a second, second and a half. So yeah. it takes ages to write something. And he's, he's doing some stuff for college, uh, and he had to write a little description of a uh, a painting just last night uh, and it took forever but it was a very beautiful piece of prose that he wrote mm. or actually it was really more of a poem that he wrote so uh, he's got these gifts but you know he's so frustrated it tends to be his sole focus that making people understand uh, and so it sort of stops him developing other things although he's interested in maths and English and has got sort of diplomas in that but um, he, he's a bit sort of focused too much on yeah. sheer communication, which until it happens uh, more easily, I think he always will be. So that was a really, really big conversation for you and Kerith to sit and listen to. Yeah. What have been the other ones that have had similar significance, I suppose? I suppose the biggest one was the first, really, um, when we were on holiday in Scotland. Uh, he must have been about seven or eight and we went to Culloden, which is the, the site of the battle just outside Inverness. And mm -hmm. uh, we went there and we walked around and looked at everything. Uh, we had a picture. We took a lot of pictures. We had one picture of Murray standing next to just some kind of cairn or, a, you know, a monument, uh, which had a little inscription on it. And uh, later, when he was able to communicate by tapping out on a keyboard, um, we said to him, or his speech therapist said, what, what were you thinking? And he wrote, I remember he was about nine or something, he wrote, was sad because people died and were in pain. 
and we thought, oh, hello, something going on here. There's more, there's more going on here. He was able to type and do certain, recognize certain things in the garden, you know. But that was, um, when that, we got that, we yeah. thought, oh. But also empathy. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's not a, a trait that you, you would attribute to a, a, a person with autism necessarily. That's what a lot of people would say, yeah. Mm. Uh, but this, um, this showed that he had sympathy. He not only could communicate, he had sympathy and empathy with uh, people. And you must also live in great hope, Ken, because I know you, you've said once, I found this, and it's really stuck with me, actually. You said, I'd never say that Murray can't speak. I say he doesn't speak. Yeah. Because when he trapped his finger as a young boy, he screamed out and said, I want my mummy. Yeah, 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 he did. He did. It doesn't happen, you know, hardly ever happens, but it is there and it's possible. And it's just unlocking. It's finding the key and unlocking <sighs> all that. So we say he's pre-verbal. We don't say he's non-verbal. He's pre-verbal. Pre-verbal. Yeah. Well, apologies for no, no, no. misidentifying. No, no, that. no. But I mean, that's. I mean, we were saying non-verbal until somebody said, "No, you should say pre-verbal," pre-verbal. and that leaves open the possibility. What a wonderful possibility that is to hold on to yeah. for, and, for all you of you. Know, as we've said, it's ironic that I speak for a living and he has difficulties. But we're hoping that one day we'll both be speaking. It's the cruelest irony, Ken. It, it is. You know, life because is full of them, really. It is. But you can also see from his thoughts and the way that he articulates himself in, in word that he's very much his father's son. Well, I always say he's the brightest person in the family, to be honest. He's, he's the cleverest, got the <laughs> biggest intellect in the family. Your other kids must feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, my Scottish father. That's the Don't let anybody get above themselves. <laughs> Thanks for talking about that. I know no, for, no, no. for a lot of people it will open their eyes, open their ears and... It can only help gain better understanding. Let's let's hope. Let's hope that happens. Okay, my final question. Go. Oh. As a ringmaster of the nation's favourite pop quiz pop master you are the caretaker of a moment in people's day when they stop everything they're doing to play along but can we move rather than t- entirely turn the tables and play my own version of pop master i want oh. to play ken master oh i want to see how well you remember yourself this is going to be embarrassing because <laughs> i wouldn't remember anything but yeah i'll have a go i'll have know, a go i know this because i've done for, for many years some, some a show that required people to recall their past. It was a Radio 2 show called Line of Inquiry. And I remember once sitting opposite Jennifer Saunders and saying, and then in 1986 she met the Queen and she went, I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. I've never met the Queen. And I'm like, oh, Jennifer, I have a picture of you with the Queen yeah, right yeah, here. Right. Here it is, you met the Queen. <laughs> oh shit, I met the Queen. Never be, it must be photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see, Ken, right. if the old grey matter let's can recall some of your key moments. Let's have a go. Super simple. Let's warm you up nice and easy. Question one. In what year did you get the last-minute call-up to cover the Eurovision commentary for Radio 2 after its original host, Ray Moore, was taken ill? Yes, that, I can give you that one. 1988. It was 88. And now, having said that, I'm not sure. But, yeah, 88. Because dear old Ray, who was a great personal friend of mine, I, I, just my favourite man as a broadcaster. Who's your hero? Absolutely. I used to listen to him before I got anywhere near radio, and I thought, he sounds ancient. And I discovered he's only... But, eight or nine years older than me, 
uh, it was a young man in his 20s. On, he That's was on Radio sweet. 2 at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I started, or actually before I started on Radio 2, I worked on a, with him on another programme, got to meet him, and we just got on like a house on fire. Uh, all four of us, you know, we, did, we went out together, eating together and, and drinking together. <laughs> he was a bit of a drinker, old Ray. But then a lot of people were at that time yeah. in radio. And, drinking uh, yeah. and smoking, that was well, the culture. And Ray, I'm afraid, was a big, big smoker and uh, a bit of a drinker. And uh, it was the smoking that got to him eventually. Really? And he got cancer of the lower mouth. Uh, uh, and you know, that again, we talked to cruel ironies. Uh, he, you know, wasn't able to speak as clearly. And he prided himself. He was a Liverpudlin and, you know, not a university boy, but he became a BBC announcer in the time mm. of Alvar Liddell and all these people in the late 60s. Uh, and he, Which for a kid from Liverpool is still yeah, going, right? Uh, and he was reading the news on Radio 4. Uh, you know, when a time when it was absolutely RP and nothing else, and yeah. he got to read the news on Radio Four. He was this is when respected. people used to wear tuxedos to read the news. Well, it's not quite <laughs> like that, but he, you know, he had to be a proper. You know, you have to do it properly or not at all. And yeah. He um, he and I became really good friends, uh, and uh, we used to, as I say we used to go. Out, he had a great thing because he was just a lad from Liverpool. He said every year, he and his wife Alma used to go to the Ritz for dinner. Oh. Uh, and he invited us to go with him one year. And uh, he said, I go, I come here every year because when I was struggling and when I came, first came down to London, I was struggling, didn't have any work. He said, I used to stand outside the Ritz, look in and say, one day, one day, I'll eat in there. Oh. And so every year he went back and had, had dinner at the Ritz. Uh, and I'd say we were great friends, but then sadly, he I mean, got this terrible disease and had to stop broadcasting. Uh, and he used to listen back to himself and say, is this okay? Yeah, it's okay still, because his speech was deteriorating. Then one day he listened back to himself and said, no, that's not good enough, and said, I can't do it anymore. Retired and himself. Went, went home, yeah. And he was only, when he died, he was only 48. My goodness, that's a young, yeah. young man. Yeah, uh, and could have given so much more. Great, great broadcaster, loved him. Oh. So 1988 was the first year that you stepped in yep. into his, his really quite formidable shoes. For a bonus, uh, bonus question, <laughs> who won the Eurovision in 1988? That was Celine Dion from Switzerland. From, yeah, that famous Swiss yes. person, Celine Dion well, from at least, Canada. At least she could speak French. French. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that so well because she's had some dental work since then. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not but sure she's talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not sure it's worked that well, but never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a bit whistly sometimes. <laughs> but uh, the second, we thought we were winning that year. We absolutely thought we had it. Yeah. A guy called Scott Fitzgerald, lovely guy. Scott? Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. And he, um, he sang a great song and it was winning all the way until the last, last vote. And then, poof, she went right above us. Celine. And Celine Dean won it. And um, the, the British delegation, headed up by Jim Moyer, uh, fabulous Jim Moyer, uh, they had champagne on ice in the hotel bar because we're so confident of a win. And we all went back to the hotel and nobody went near the bar. <laughs> champagne got warm and put back. <laughs> Curly cheese sandwich yeah, in an yeah, early night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was awful. Gutted. Awful. Gutted. But that was one of my most memorable. Ah, the first always is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, question number two. Sticking with Eurovision, can you tell me the year 
You met your now wife, Kerith, while working on the BBC output together. Again, I could do that easily because it was in Birmingham and it was 1998. Correct. Because, uh, yeah, uh, Kerith was working on it because she lived in Birmingham, at least her parents lived in Birmingham, and they'd been looking for people from Radio 2 to... I'd, I'd not met her up to that point, and she'd been there for a year or something, but she was working on the Jimmy Young show. And uh, I, uh, I, I was going up to do the commentary, and they asked for people to volunteer to come up and do a little bit of extra work. And so she said, yeah, I'll live with my parents. And uh, she came up, and we just sat and bonded over. I think what it was, because it, it was in the, uh, the ICC, and the canals run right outside, mm. and we were backstage, and the, there was a, a, a clutch of ducklings had been found just wandering about in the ICC, because they'd come straight off the canal and they'd lost their mummy, you know? Huh. And Kerith is an absolute fan of all animal life, and she can't see it. So she said, come on, come on, look at this. I just remember standing looking at a whole clutch of ducklings <laughs> <laughs> backstage at the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, and we just, we got on so well, we just... Uh, sort of so you bonded over ducks? Yeah, absolutely. Ducks and Eurovision. <laughs> Any camper than that? No, no. So that's twenty-five years since. uh, Twenty-five years, and you were kind of in a place of um, personal resignation at that point. You kind of resigned yourself to, you know, I'm a, I'm a single dad. You had shared custody of your your daughter from your second marriage. Absolutely. You were kind of making it work as best you could. It just sort of swerved a midlife crisis. I think you joined a gym and bought a convertible, but then got over yourself. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, right? I only went once to the gym, or twice, uh. I think. Yeah, because I didn't like it. The convertible I liked for a bit longer, and then I thought <laughs> it's unsuitable for family life. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I did the sort of slightly midlife crisis. But I'd, I was mid-40s, and I'd uh, more or less said, that's it, you know, two failed marriages, I'm not going to get another one. Uh, I'm fine, fine on my own. Fine. Happy I'm all right, thanks. And these are the moments <laughs> when, of course, things you know you weren't yeah. expecting happen, and that's that was a lovely moment because it was it was totally unexpected. Got to love a duck. Go love a duck. <laughs> <laughs> a bonus question. Yep. Who won the Eurovision that year? Uh, that was Dana International for <laughs> Israel. Yeah, because so good, again, I remember because she uh, she won uh, and then went off stage and didn't come back to receive the prize because uh, she was changing. Into another outfit. Uh, and, you know, all her outfits were skin tight. You know. whole, of, so, whole of Europe were waiting yeah, for her. I mean, she must have had been put into them in tire levers, you know, just get... You know. And uh, ages, and Terry and Ulrika Johnson, who were hosting, were standing on stage, filling furiously, and Terry, I could tell you, because I've known her for years, I could see he was getting really hacked off. <laughs> Not a happy man, you know. Well, we'll be getting on as soon as Dan International... Uh, Danes to join us, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was very memorable. Uh, a good song. That's a so. lot of filling, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he was brilliantly doing commentary and hosting the show at the same time. Which I believe is what Graham Norton's going to attempt to do this year because guess what? Somebody's left Radio 2 and left a massive gaping hole. Oh, no, 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 no the radio commentary, I have no oh, idea. Oh, no, he's going to do he's the television presentation. TV presentation yeah. and the TV commentary, but he is sharing the commentary with Mel Gedroich. That's right. So she's going to take over when he's on the stage. But on Terry, the stage. Terry did it all himself. Wow. Good man. Take note, Graham Norton, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, come on, Graham, step up. <laughs> step up, jeez, slacking at the back. <laughs> okay, question number three. Who said this to you? Mm-hmm. Ken, you'll be like me. You won't win anything until you're dying. Oh, that was Ray Moore again. Yeah. It was Ray, yeah, yeah. He, he did say that because he, again, had a very, very fine career but hadn't, you know, been noticed by anybody, really. And uh, then he fell ill and they immediately awarded him a Lifetime Achievement Award or some such thing. And he... 
you know, he, of course he accepted it, but he was rolling his eyes slightly as if to say, yeah, well, this is what you have to do in order to be noticed. Thanks for um, the carriage clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a bit like that. But, you know, he's a gracious guy, so he, he accepted it. But he did say, he said that to me, he said, uh, you let me, won't win anything until you're dead or dying. Well, like you said, you know, your announcement to, to resign from Radio 2 and to, to come over to Greatest Hits has it been a bit like having your, having a chance to, to attend your own wake in as yeah. much as the outpouring of love, support. It's been lovely and surprising. I've, I've been really surprised by it, you know. Have you? Because I thought, I, I thought I'd made, you know, some kind of impression, but I didn't realise that... Uh, I mean, there's people I, I know, you know, in, in show business who um, I didn't think, you know, well, that much of what I was doing, or just treated it as another job, and um, you know, something like Tim Rice, said, uh, I, you know, said, "Oh, the immaculate Ken Bruce is leaving." That. I thought, for a man who uses words, he doesn't, you know, throw them away. Immaculate. So that was, uh, yeah, and I thought I was really touched by that. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's a bad thing to start believing it. Uh, you have to sort of say, yeah. I mean, they don't know me like I know me, so uh, I know. God, I know. God forbid it goes to your head at seventy-two, Ken. Well, no, I know. I think maybe I've left it too late, but you know, I don't want to start believing that. And in the same way, I don't want people said, you know, oh, you, you and Kenneth are terrific parents to Murray. I said, well, no, we're not actually. I know how how badly we get things wrong. How you know we don't do whatever what we could do. We could be doing more of this, more of that. So uh, you know. Uh, you've got to be realistic and say, right, yeah, thank you. That's very nice. I, I, and I'm doing okay, but I can't believe that I'm brilliant. Well, it's a Scottish thing, I think, a Glasgow but thing. But you yeah. are the most listened to radio host, not just in the UK, but in Europe. Oh, you, yes. Your mid morning slot outrates breakfast. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a sheer accident. That, but that's the way you have to look at it. Because otherwise, if you start believing everything, the hypes and everything, then you can't do the job properly if you I, believe you're that good. I understand that. But sometimes you can't ignore the science and the stats are the science in this debate. Well, I do my best to ignore them. Put it okay. that way. <laughs> OK, question number four. Who said this about you when it was announced that you were moving to Greatest Hits? It's like signing Messi. Dear Simon Mayo. Yes. Who is the Ronaldo to my Messi. <laughs> he really is. Uh, yeah. And seeing as I'm sandwiched between the two of you for your first two weeks here, I have no idea where that leaves me, just like some badly briefed ref. Uh, well, well, no, but the ref always wins in the end. Yes. Yeah, the ref is always right. Yeah. So, Simon, how big a part of um, your decision was was kind of caveated with the fact that Simon's here at Greatest Hits? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you do. I think that's how you make decisions. You say, well, if, if they think it's a good place to work, that makes me think it's worth investigating, uh, and that is it was a massive thing. You know, Simon Mayo's on that station; that's going to be a good station. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, you know, all the other people, like Alex Lester, I've known for years. Richard Allenson does yeah. stuff. Mark Goodyear, brilliant broadcaster. You think Absolutely. these are fantastic? And Paul Gambaccini, Gambo, yeah, you know, these are great broadcasters. Jackie Brambles, you know, it lets everybody on here is an experienced, great broadcaster. And you think, right, I'll be comfortable there. I, I, I'll fit in here and I won't sort of look around and say, oh, oh dear, they're not very good. Well, you know, do you think they're as good as me? That sort of thing. So I'm going to be say, you know, saying, this is a, a fabulous place to work. So did Messi phone Ronaldo when all this was going down? We had a couple of, um, we had, well, Ronaldo sent a couple of emails, uh, <laughs> uh, cryptic emails to, to Messi, and Messi replied cryptically as well. <laughs> nice to but, hear. Uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's say Messi was a, a broker. He was a kind of football agent <laughs> at one point in the whole thing. He made some introductions.
good. <laughs> That's what we like. Um, okay, who said this about you when you announced that you were on the move? This is too much. I draw the line. Ken Bruce is the best radio presenter anywhere in the world. He's funny, he's kind, warm, wise. I am so sad about this. You will be very sorely missed, young man. Well, I don't know that particular quote, I have to say. Whoever it is, I, I immediately think uh, very warmly of them because they're saying all the right things. Uh, no, I don't know who that was. It's the Queen of Daytime, Lorraine Kelly. Oh, dear Lorraine. Yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be on Lorraine's programme. You can tell her. In a few weeks. And I will, uh, I'll be able to say thank you. I now know what your quote is. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, no, I love Lorraine. She's a fantastic broadcaster. And she knows what's good and what's not, Ken. She Again. does say things, doesn't she? I, I can see She's Lorraine Kelly on the on the, the boards of the posters, uh, the, her quotes, alongside Tim Rice and Simon Mayo's. It's like signing Messi. He's immaculate. Oh, no, this has gone too far now. He's the best in the business. Wow. Mic drop. Yeah, uh, I couldn't hope for nicer things to be said about me. And uh, as I say, I, I, you know, I can't really um, think they're absolutely right, but it's lovely to hear things like that. And let them continue. May they do so. And my next question to you. Mm -hmm. In what year did you decide to set up a company with a group of friends leasing out Routemaster buses? Ooh, that's more difficult to pin down. I would say about 2004, five, maybe. Four. Four? Four. Four, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> we bought a bus. Um, in fact, Rewind, Ken. Yeah. We bought a bus. Well, Who's we and right. why on earth did you want to buy a bus? Four of us, all broadcasters, some of whom work for Bar Radio. Uh, so, yeah, Charles Nove, yeah. Al Alan Dedicote, and Steve Madden. Uh, and Steve was a great bus fan. He wanted to buy a bus, but he was a bit short of cash. So he, <laughs> he got the rest. Is anybody else fancy coming in on buying is, a bus? Is this one pint too many? Is this what yeah, happens? Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's the story of my life, one pint too many. <laughs> Just bad decisions. Uh, so we, we, we managed to buy a Routemaster. We're all coming off the 73 uh, from Tottenham. Uh, so we managed to buy one, and uh, it wasn't didn't cost that much to be to be fair, but the refurb cost a lot of money. And having spent a lot, I mean, spent about twenty thousand pounds refurbing it. Wow, uh, that's an expensive pint. Well, yes, it turned into a very expensive pint. Uh, but we got it up to a very high standard. I thought well, we must make some money back on this, so we set up the company to hire it out for weddings and things like that. And that went quite well. So we thought, oh, well, let's get another. So we. We eventually got up to seven buses. Seven buses. It was a, it was a successful company. Seven? That's a fleet, Ken. It was a fleet. Uh, and, of course, with that comes problems of where to store and garage them and how to keep them And who's in charge? Who's in charge? We had to set up a proper business with staff and offices, uh, which we did. And then uh, people, a, lot, a whole lot of buses came on the market. People bought one and hired it out of their kitchen you know, with perhaps not always doing the right thing and undercutting us. We had, we had, they were subletting the yes, fleet. Yeah, they were, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we started to getting rid and then lockdown hit and, of course, there was no business at all after that and uh, so we've got rid of all the buses. Now we don't have any left, although Steve Madden, the original enthusiast, has bought our last bus for himself. So it could all start again? Not with me. Although... <laughs> It sounds so sure, Ken. We're very glad to get rid of it. It's a no from me. It is one of these businesses <laughs> that um, the way to make a million in uh, the bus industry is to start with five million. Uh, you really, you know, <laughs> you're never going to make money on it. So we could be better off taking fifty pound notes out into the street and burning them. Which is ironic when one of the owners is Alan Dedicote, the voice of the balls, the voice of the for balls the, for the lottery, a man who's made of money. <laughs> 
he makes millionaires every Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely. Just not, uh, not on your box. No, watch. he should have pushed a bit our way. Um, my very last question to you. Hmm. What position do you play in the village band No Direction? I am the drummer. Yes. I am animal behind the skins. You say animal, I was going to say Phil Collins. Uh, Phil Collins, yeah, yeah. Keith uh, we, Moon. Phil Collins and I are three days apart in age. Are so, you? Yeah, we absolutely are. So, um, uh, yeah, Phil Collins I'll take, but he is a better drummer than I am. Uh, I am uh, an animal, I think, perhaps more like. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, and I don't, I will not stand up in front and do any introductions or anything like that. It's not my job. I won't sing. I, I can't do anything other than play the drums when I'm working at. And, and sort of venues that you've played, give me your last three gigs. Uh, last three gigs are probably all in the same place. Uh, well, we did one in the barn of the Three Horseshoes uh, pub in the village. Uh, that was uh, for New Year. Nice. Uh, time before that, we were at the Towsey Fringe in Oxfordshire, where we nice. uh, played a 15-minute set. That was all. But we are being asked back to do a 45-minute set this wow. year. Wow. What kind of capacity crowd are you playing to? Well, it depends. It is a, an open-air kind of uh, event. Uh, we are first on, so people haven't really arrived. By the time More fans than fingers is always well, a sign it, of it, success, it, right? Yeah, I, I have to say, because we have quite a large group um, at times in our band, depending on who can do what. So we can have up to 12 people in the band. Um, as long they, as there's more people in the crowd than there are on stage, can you win in? Doesn't always happen. But uh, <laughs> we, we have great enthusiasm, uh, but not much talent. Fantastic. Well, I hope that No Direction continues to aimlessly find its way around the vicinity of Oxfordshire. And I can't wait to sit down and uh, listen to you say hello, good morning, and welcome to Greatest Hits on April the 3rd, Ken. But I won't be saying goodbye because I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward. Can't say how much I'm looking forward to. So It'll be great to see you. you I, my the pleasure will be all mine, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I think this could stick. Yeah. The Yoda yeah, thing. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm feeling yeah, a costume. Yeah. I could turn up like, you know, yeah. Luke Skywalker on the third. Yeah. I'll look like a tear. Everyone will think you're amazing. It could yeah. work. I'm not sure I'll enjoy being likened to a three foot tall. <laughs> green-faced. But everyone will say you look so much better than him. (laughs) A little bit. Ken Bruce, thank you so much. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. My huge thanks to Ken Bruce. Don't forget, April 3rd, 10 till 1, Greatest Hits Radio. The show continues. And if you're in the mood for more great chat with broadcasting legends, look no further than our back catalogue. You'll find episodes with Fee Glover and Jane Garvey, Richard and Judy, Eamon Holmes, Vernon Kay, who has the large task of stepping into Ken's shoes, Lorraine Kelly, Emma Barnett, Simon Mayer, Rob Bryden, Scott Mills, Roman Kemp, and a barrel load more. My thanks to you as always for your company and to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Special thanks also to the greatest hits radio mob who helped to bring this opportunity together. Editing is by Eleanor Humphrey and our music comes courtesy of Andy Bell. You can check out his solo material and his work with Ride and Oasis wherever you get your music. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.